1: All right, away we go here, people. It is now a Thursday, February the 27th. I can't believe that. Uh, That alone is a little bit crazy. But uh, welcome in here to The Grid, sportsgrid.com's The Early Line. I'm Joe Ranieri, joined by Jared Smith as we uh, look to get you caught up with everything that happened overnight in the betting world and the betting markets, of course, big night in the NBA, as well as college hoops as the march to madness, as they say is almost upon us. We are in the home stretch here of the college basketball season, which means last chance for a bunch of bubble teams uh, is going to happen here over the next 10 days. And we saw it last night, some teams that needed a win, backs against the wall. Some pulled it out, some absolutely did not. And we'll uh, we'll recap those uh, those big top 25 games along with some of those big bubble team winners and losers a big night in the NBA. We did, uh, first and foremost, want to remind all of you that uh, yesterday, Jared and I both gave out our plays of the game, uh, plays of the day rather, and both of us gave ridiculous dogs. And I know some (laughs) people were laughing at us uh, because Jared went with the Celtics who were on the road, second game of a back-to-back taking on Utah, who had announced earlier in the day, Jared, that uh, Mike Conley was was going to be benched, oh, so yeah. and that yeah, sent shivers. I really the moved market. the line. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that didn't work out well, but congratulations! He nailed uh, the Celtics winning outright, guys. Those are uh, money line dogs we're talking about, and uh, pretty much the only person on this side of the Mississippi that picked yeah. uh, UMass to upend a uh, a spiraling VCU team that uh, once again proved that. Yeah, this is not your uh, this is not your granddad's VCU, nope. Virginia Commonwealth. They are hurting people and uh UMass wins outright at home. Big upset there, bunch of upsets throughout. Also some spring training beaning going on. We've got some uh we Was got it Bregman yesterday training. that got it. Exactly. They, <laughs> so they're, they're, they're taking they're taking the it. circuit. It's Altuve, Bregman, right. you
0: know, That's we'll see Springer and Correa soon. I
1: wouldn't even wear an Astros jersey into the ballpark nice. for fear that I might get yeah. hits with like a beer, because- like a hot dog yeah, or yeah, something don't, like don't do it here people but we'll get you caught up with all of that we'll dive into tonight's games but first let's take it over to Dan Strafford. so he can get you caught up with all the overnight headlines, good morning Dan
2: Good morning, gentlemen. In the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers All-Star Center Joel Embiid left Wednesday night's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first quarter and was ruled out with a left shoulder sprain. Embiid will have an MRI at some point on Thursday. He told that to the Philadelphia Inquirer. Sixers coach Brett Brown said he was "quote unsure whether Embiid would play in Thursday's home game against the Knicks." Charlotte Hornets guard Malik Monk has been suspended indefinitely without pay for violating the NBA's anti-drug program. The suspension began with Charlotte's game Wednesday against New York. It will continue until Monk is determined to be fully compliant with the program. LeBron James is out for Thursday's game at Golden State due to a sore groin. Top performers in the NBA from last night. Russell Westbrook 33 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, four steals, in a 140 to 112 win over Memphis. Karis Levert for the Nets continues a very strong season: 34 points, seven assists, six rebounds, as the Nets lose to the Washington Wizards 110 to 106. Trey Young with another strong outing: 37 points, 11 assists, two rebounds, and a steal. He went 10 of 27 from the field, just four of 12 from three, as the Hawks lost to the Orlando Magic 130 to 120. Stop me if you've heard this one before. In Major League Baseball, Giancarlo Stanton is injured. He's been diagnosed with a grade one strain of his right calf and is questionable for opening day. Stanton suffered the injury while doing outfield work on Tuesday per Yankees manager Aaron Boone. He will be shut down for at least a couple of weeks. Dodgers outfielder John Peterson has not yet been cleared to resume hitting. Peterson was diagnosed with a strain in his right side shortly after arriving at Dodgers camp. Of course, remember, Peterson had been traded to the Angels, but that trade was called off. Braves first baseman Freddie Freeman is expected to return to Grapefruit League action next week. He's been sitting out with inflammation in his elbow. And in the NFL, the New York Giants have released linebacker Alec Ogletree, a team captain during his two seasons with the team. I'm Dan Straff and this has been your Sports Grid News Update.
1: Uh, Dan, appreciate that. Another big night, uh, of course, not only in the uh, in the NBA, but certainly in college hoops. As again, these bubble teams trying to uh, trying to keep their hopes alive of being one of these uh, March Madness br uh, be any bracket, just be in a damn bracket, yeah. Do, be where people can choose your name. And even if not, I mean, it, it's also important to mention. And because this is part of the handicapping process when it comes to college hoops here, guys, that not everybody's expectation is the tournament. It's any tournament, whether it be the NIT, the, the, the CIS, the, and there's a million of these tournaments that are going to come up here, not just obviously the uh, the March Madness tournament that you guys are so used to filling brackets out for. You know, with Phyllis in accounting, who uh, comes in with the pencil? <laughs> who in wins hair. Y- yeah, and wins every time? Yeah, and wins every time. It's always and it really just she picks you the uniforms crazy. that
0: she likes. Yes,
1: um, but the no, there is. You know, everything is about expectations. Now, if you are a Duke team or a Kentucky team, your expectations is quite simple. But for a lot of these mid-major programs, for a lot of these teams on the bubble. it's more than just the tournament, being able to extend and continue to play basketball beyond the next week and a half is important. And I think, you know, when you look at these games, whether it be tonight or through the weekend, you gotta understand expectations for some of these teams because the end all be all isn't being one of the, uh, you know, the 64, the 68, it's just to keep playing. So there's some opportunities for a lot of teams that have something to play for, versus teams that really, that I don't care if it's a YMCA tournament, you're not playing in it. But it's an important thing to realize who's who and what the expectations of these teams are, Jared.
0: Yeah, and, and I think once we get to this stage, this to me, I, I want to say every team probably has three games left. There might be a few teams that have four, but it's really just like a week to 10 days left of the regular season. We talked about this yesterday with the big teams, the Daytons, the San Diego States, that are not going to cover these big numbers, and they both didn't cover the other night. One of them almost lost, the Aztecs it's so much about urgency. And like a team like Carolina that probably has been just ridiculed and beaten down all season, they get these rivalry games over the next couple weeks. The NC State one's the big one that, we, you know, we talked about the other day. And it's that sense of urgency. Yeah, they're not playing for the tournament. They're probably going to be in the CIT or the NIT if they accept the bid. But there are moments in this season, and we saw it a little bit last night with Maryland, too, with that freaky line. Now, granted, yep. that game was kind of like a, you know, a free throw shooting contest down the stretch, which a lot of these teams are. But mm-hmm. th- there is that sense of urgency, and some teams have it, some teams don't, and that's the hardest part of the handicapping process. I remember we talked about this during our Super Bowl show. The hardest thing to handicap is is your mental, you know, Motivation, yep. Yeah, like yep, That's the yep. hardest thing to handicap when you're dealing with 18- to 22-year-old kids, but there are some edges that the lines do not account for, and I think, the you know, if, if you can get a grip and if you can get a handle on where you see these teams' mental, you know, fragility at this point in the season... That is where I think you can get an edge.
1: Yes, I, you're absolutely correct. And, I mean, listen, you, you look at last night's in the uh, in the college hour there. You look in the uh, in the college. We talked about some of these top 25 games that we had on the market last night. Uh, 16 Penn State taking on Rutgers. Some game. Um, great game. Rutgers, once again, coming out, doesn't play the first half and makes a monster comeback in the second half. Penn State almost blows you know, a over 20 uh, 20 point lead there, but holds on to win it late in their own stadium. So Penn State just bolsters what was already a really good resume for uh, the brackets. Now, Rutgers, on the other hand, you continue to fit the narrative that you can't win on the road. Now, this was this was a strange line. This was at six at some point. It was down to five, four and a half is where it closed. Now, if you backed Rutgers, congratulations, you didn't win the game. But you covered, which is always, you know, good teams uh, cover, uh, you know, good teams <laughs> good win, teams great win. teams cover. <laughs> uh, but you also had Villanova. We we thought about this game being probably the biggest upside-down game of the night. But you know what? St. John stayed within the 12-and-a-half, 13 points. The whole that, game, uh, pretty that much. Wire-to-wire, basically. Yeah. They had a little Absolutely.
0: stretch there in the first half. And, yep. and again, that goes back to the point. And, and you saw – I remember watching that game last night, and and Nova had a layup late that could have, you know, had the, had the cover for them. But – then you watch the end of the game, and these kids are just thrilled that they just beat St. John's by 11. Meanwhile, you're tearing up your ticket. So I, 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 I hesitate. And in the tournament, this is a strategy, too. I do not like betting those one versus 16 games. Like, I just, yes. like, you know, because, it, you know, these teams just don't like. And now, and now, if you like the dog, that's another story. But obviously, that's hard to get to the window with the dogs in the 116 games. But we've seen it happen before where they win outright. But I I, I don't like swallowing points in March. And let's be real, we're in March right now. This is basically March basketball. So I I don't like swallowing that many points in March. I like betting dogs. I like betting, you know, money lines. I I, I think you can figure out places to find motivational spots for some of these dogs or the really small favorites, the two, the three, the yep. four-point favorites. But it, you're telling me I want to lay 10 in March when these teams, all they want to do, you've seen these games, they're nuts. Just winning yep. the game is, is, is an accomplishment. If you're a 20-point favorite and you win a game in March by six, you feel like you're on top of the world. These kids yep. do not care about point spreads, the, the the back doors are open all night long in these games. I I I'm not gonna be laying a lot of double digits uh now that we're getting to really important, really grinded out basketball when literally every single point, every single possession is going to be a struggle.
1: Yep. Uh, you know, you have a couple of these, you know, a couple of these top twenty five teams that really start to fall into some habits, and one of them, of course, being Maryland uh, on the road, who's done who's done great, guys. I mean don't, some don't, win. More loss. Grades, but they don't. They only play one half, and and it happened again last night. And those that were backing Minnesota are are not happy this morning. We'll handicap that game for you. We'll tell you what happened. We'll also take a look at the NBA scoreboard from last night. We'll do that. Coming up next here on the Grid
3: sportsgrid.com. Happy Thursday morning.
1: We got a uh, superstar in the making in the NBA as uh, one team continues to roll. We'll talk about that while another team, boy, oh boy, expectations are just, uh, it's not good in the city of brotherly love. My word, also a game that we happened to call last night, but we will go ahead. uh, We'll cover the NBA and what happened uh, in, in the association because there were certainly some upsets last night to say the least and i know uh Jared, i'm not worrying about the heen anything okay um well i'm worried and i'm damn worried right now uh but i do want to finish up on that college hoops game last night the big one of course uh, minnesota maryland we told you here yesterday morning and we're big proponents of this is a market sports investing is a market oh, yeah no different than what Wall Street is and guys that trade futures and and soybeans and coffee beans and everything else. And that's a there pretty is, deep market, Joe. I've seen the soybean market up close. It's, yes. it's intense. Yeah. Cha-ching. Uh, <laughs> and understanding market movement, who controls it, how it's controlled, and being able to read markets from early on in the morning throughout the day really kind of helps you. Uh, Figure out, and we say don't overthink the room, always kind of follow the money. And this was such a unique game because we kept seeing all the bets early on. They were going towards Maryland, but the line wasn't moving. And, you know, yesterday morning it was moved. We had, you know, three out of four bets were coming in. They were back in the better team, obviously, better form. That was Maryland by far, winners of nine straight. But man, there was a significant portion of the pro betting, bigger bettors, that loved Minnesota in this game, and that is why we didn't see the line go to minus four Maryland or minus three and a half. What it did is it stayed right around there. Now, eventually, as the day went on, Jarrett, you saw it kind of flip-flopped, Yep. and it went from Minnesota, eventually the numbers became too one-sided for the book, so they had to push Maryland to a one-point favorite. And this is another shining example, guys, of if you like a one-point favorite, you better like them on the money line. Oh, yes, because absolutely. this is college basketball, 18-year-olds. Yeah, good luck with that. So didn't play the first half. Minnesota led this entire game right up until about the last two minutes as well. They still had an eight-point lead as much as 20 points. I, they were dominating Maryland, certainly in the first half, for a good portion of the second half. And then the wheels fell off. And it also might uh the wheels might have fallen off in a career for uh, Richard Petino too, who oh, I don't man. know. I don't know how you can justify that. Now keep in mind, Tubby Smith went to a whole lot of, you know, uh, March Madness tournaments there and they ousted him. So I he's a good
0: coach. That he did uh, not deserve that.
1: No, he didn't. And I, I don't know how he survived. I don't know what the uh what the future holds for Petino or for. Uh, this Minnesota Gophers team, but that was a game you needed to win. You were on the bubble, had to have, and for a lot of people that backed Minnesota last night, you watched three quarters of that game, you were counting the money that you were going to make if you were on that money line. You were going, cha-ching, baby, and Maryland, you give them credit, man. That team does not quit. They played Nowhere to be found in the first half, but that second half, that big three with about a a second left on the clock to actually give him the lead, it it doesn't get any bigger than that. It's a big-time play by a big-time program. Don't sleep on Maryland. It's not easy to win on the road. It sure as hell easy to win on the road in the Big Ten uh, this year in a team that, you mentioned it, motivation. Had to have that game last night, Minnesota, and they didn't get it. Maryland, great win for them last night.
0: Yeah, first things first, you credit Darren Morsey for hitting that three point shot. It was like one of those uh, swirly birds. It kind of just, yep. you know, ran and eventually it fell down. And everyone, you know, who had Minnesota on the money line uh, was 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 certainly falling down with that shot as well. So you credit Maryland, great comeback. But for Minnesota, and Minnesota basically gave you the blueprint of what to look for when you're trying to bet on a big money line to close out a game. Free throw shooting. Mm-hmm. They missed two front ends of a one-and-one one in the last 30 seconds, and then they went one of two at the line on a two-shot free throw uh, with 40 seconds left. They yep. missed three out of their last four free throws to close the game. Two of those free throws would have resulted in more free throws in another free throw attempt. It, that, and, and I tweeted it out last night, kids, practice your free throws. I, and, and I'm not even a basketball player. I play basketball at the 92nd Street Y for cardio. And what do I do when I first get to the gym? I shoot free throws for like five or ten minutes to warm up. Yes, and I'm, a, yep. I, I'm, I'm nobody. I, these kids need to get in the gym and practice your free throws. And if you're looking at handicapping a dog to upset a favorite in March, one of the lines you should take a look at on their stat sheet, how do they shoot free throws? Are they a 70% mm-hmm. free throw shooting team? That's average, I would say. Are they a 50% free throw shooting team? What have they been shooting free throws over the last five games? What do they shoot on the road when they're not in their home gym? These are statistics that you need to look at when you are handicapping underdogs in March. And let's be real, what is the most exciting thing to do when you're handicapping March Madness? Which of these underdogs are going to win? That's a metric you need to look at. Minnesota gave you the blueprint of how to blow a 16-point halftime lead last night. And I think they had a six-point lead with a minute to go. And you just... Have to make your free throws, kids. Yep. Practice your free throws. Make your free throws. Handicappers. Take a look at the stat line for how these teams shoot free throws, especially on the road away from home.
1: Yep. And it, it, it's a big factor in totals, too, as well. Absolutely. Those, those teams that can make free throws late in the game tend to uh tend to go to the over, while those who miss tend to uh tend to play to the under a lot. And it's a very they don't talk about it very often. Everyone wants to shoot three pointers and everyone wants to be the star. Well, you know what? Make the free baskets and all of a sudden you're averaging twenty-five a game and you don't know what the hell happened. But it didn't wasn't to be for Minnesota last night. It's kind of a microcosm of their season. Correct. They played the number two toughest schedule in the country, guys. Their their schedule was brutal. They're at a conference uh early on in the season was tough. It just uh, they didn't win many of these games, and that was the big problem, and uh, last night they didn't win it, so future of Minnesota, Richard Pitino, where the program goes, we don't know, but uh, Maryland, things are looking up, finished the game on a 10-1 run to uh, to wow. go ahead and cap the comeback. It could be a one seed,
0: Joe, I think. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I don't think they're out of the conversation yet, right? If they win the Big if Ten they tournament, win this tournament, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they win that Big Ten they, tournament. They're going to win mean. the Big Ten, and I, I had a but. I, I tweeted this out last night, and I got some pushback from a really close friend who, who, who you know, gave me a, a good. He's a very. He's a. He's actually a former college basketball coach that I used to room with when I used to call college basketball games at FAU. So I respect his opinion right. when it comes to college hoops. I said there's no elite team, there's no elite conference. He agreed right. with me about the elite team. He said the Big Ten's the elite conference this year. They're going to get ten teams in the tournament. They have forty five non conference wins. They are very deep. And we said it yesterday, and and we mentioned that specific league cannibalizing Mm -hmm. each other. But when it gets to March, it just – something triggers with some of these teams. And I think we're going to see it with Michigan tonight uh, against Wisconsin. I just feel like the good teams rise up in these situations. Michigan State had that great win the other night against Iowa. Penn State, Maryland have – I don't want to call them comeback wins, but they were last-second shots, very dramatic wins. Those are the types of victories that good teams are able to to register – And, you know, good teams win, great teams cover, the elite teams come from behind late. And they don't get afraid from the big moment, and I think the Big nope. Ten has these teams that are kind of littered in—I don't want to say mediocrity—but they haven't had those elite seasons that we've seen the Michigan and the Michigan States had in years past, where they're competing for one seeds. These teams are competing for the four, the three line mostly, with the exception of Maryland. Most of these one se- or most of these Big Ten teams are going to be three, four seeds, and there's going to be some upsets. The Sweet 16 is going to be absolutely fascinating this year. That second weekend. And we've got a, a an unbelievable regional, I hope, at the Garden. I hope they put Duke, yeah. Penn State, Maryland. Put one of these big-time East Coast teams at the Garden for that regional. The, the, it's going to be a fascinating Sweet 16. The first two rounds are great, too. But I think because of the parity we have in college basketball this season, Joe, the Sweet 16 is really where the, the seed lines just do
1: not matter at all. I agree. Uh, I agree. It's going to be... And that's always the big thing, too, in these conference championships and when you get into the tournament is you start looking at some of these teams' resumes. And those that have been in in these conferences where it's an all-out war every time they go, like, you look at the SEC. Guys, I'm not bagging the SEC in any tournament game. They play absolutely no, no defense. you got to be able to play defense in the tournament to be able to advance. It's it's really hard to do without being a top elite defensive team going up against other top elite defensive teams. You know, I can't back Florida beats LSU last night uh, and they cover and, and congratulations in the swamp kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. Yeah. Me too. Uh, but again, who are these two teams when you go up against the Virginias of the world? And when you start going up against Michigan state and some of these teams that clamp down defensively, yeah, you're not getting those they- shots. You're not getting no shots. And so that's why, yeah, there is. You're not scoring 80 but, you know, against the,
0: anybody in the tournament. I'm sorry. It's, no, it's not you're
1: not. And the Big Ten is used to playing those kinds of slog oh, yeah, games absolutely. where you've got to beat people down in order. You know, first one to 60 kind of wins not everyone yeah. is both of those big 10 games last that.
0: night were in the 60s Joe 65 yeah, exactly. 64 and I think what exactly. was it set was it 70 60 70, what was the was the Maryland yep. score line? 74 73 so that one was a little bit more high scoring yeah. I, I was yeah. surprised that Minnesota got 47 in the first half but guess what they scored 26 in the second half so you know Maryland, you know, kind of fell asleep in the first half, but that second half was what you would expect to see from a Maryland defense. Maryland's an intriguing handicap. I've been off their bandwagon all year. Don't tell Greg mm-hmm. Sussman, but oh, I, I, I just, I just haven't like there. There hasn't been anything special about them until last mm-hmm. night. Last night yep. was special. That comeback against Indiana that was a little special too. Uh, not not quite as as uh you know big as the comeback last night. I mean they were down big at half. But Maryland now has put together some of these games where you're like, all right, maybe they've got just that little moxie about them this year where they're just not going to be denied in the big game.
1: Yeah, I mean, guys, we are 16 days away from Selection Sunday here. Conference tournaments just around the corner. It is the final stretch here of the college basketball season. So more games tonight to get to. We'll go ahead and break those down for you coming up. Some big top 25 teams uh, in action, including – uh, Oregon will be there tonight, which is a fascinating team to me. Uh, the Zags will be back in action here tonight, taking on San Diego. So, And, and you mentioned Michigan and Wisconsin, more Big Ten action. There's a lot to be uh, excited about here. We'll take a look at some of these future prices, too, as well, to Ooh, see if there's any value now that we're in the home stretch. Plus, NBA Talk. We'll cover it next year on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. Happy Thursday. Well, good night for the underdogs last night in the association 5 and 4 straight up and against the number we had uh, big upsets there by the Cavaliers Cleveland and uh, we talked about it on the show yesterday no more Simmons for the 76ers that left Embiid and was he going to be good enough to be able to carry the team and we said well you know Drummond's on the other side and they usually uh, those two usually go at each other and Embiid and usually wins and Usually talks trash afterwards, (laughs) but uh, not last night. MB goes out with an injury. Uh, The Cavs roll. They were at plus seven and a half. They were plus 275 on the money line. So big win for the Cavs. You had Charlotte, too, was getting two at plus 110 on the money line versus the Knicks, if you can believe that. Uh, The Wizards continue to roll. Bradley Beal continuing to drop uh, dimes from all over the place. Uh, They were getting a point and a half. They were plus 105 on the money line versus the Brooklyn Nets, who collapsed. And, oh, yeah, the uh, Timberwolves. That's right, the Minnesota Timberwolves came to Miami and did something very few other teams have been able to do all damn season long, and that is beat the Heat at the AAA Arena. They were getting 12. They were plus 550 on the money line. Another absolute meltdown defensively there for the uh, for the Heat. And we opened the show up telling you uh, Jared's play last uh, yesterday. Of course, the Celtics getting five on the road to Utah where a back-to-back situation against a desperate Utah team who, uh, you know, has not won- – is now what? Four straight? straight They're since all the at break. home. They're eh, not going well for uh, Utah. So the Celtics were plus 175 on the money line. Unders went five and four on the night. But we'll start with that Cavaliers team here, guys. They're uh, the Cavs. We had said they got rid of B-line. They seem to be playing with a little more urgency, a little bit more fun. And – yeah, that 76ers team, it continues to get worse depending on the status of Embiid moving forward. Tough spot for the Philadelphia 76ers here.
0: Yeah, the Sixers, I think, are, I, I don't want to say panic, but I, I think, you know, they could have gotten by over a couple of weeks stretch without Simmons. And, and, you know, to be perfectly frank, I I, I wasn't too optimistic that he was going to be two weeks. That felt like, a, okay, we'll see you in two weeks and then we'll talk to you. But we don't know if it's going to be, you're going to come back in two weeks. I don't know if Embiid's shoulder sprain is serious. I do know that shoulder sprains on guys his size are probably not small injuries. Uh, that's a big shoulder. So mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a little concerned about about his flexibility, mobility down the stretch. I, I, I think the good news for Philly is that Miami now is hit the skid. So that 4-5 game, which it appears that's going to be the game, uh, you know, four or five. Who does have its home court there? And now, granted, there is a little time left in the season. It could change, but it does appear that it's going to be Sixers heat in the first round. Both of those teams have their problems right now, and and I, I am a little bit concerned with both. And and really for Philly, I think it comes down to consistency, and they're gonna they're gonna struggle to score now without their two stars. The Cavs are playing good ball. They've won four out of mm-hmm. five. We talked yesterday, John Beeline's. Uh, you know that motion offense that my dad ran back in high school at PS one sixty two. Yep. That didn't work. So they went to J.B. Bickerstaff. Now, and you're right, I'm seeing a little more of a loose play. Uh, Clearly, these guys respond a little bit better to Bickerstaff. So the Cavs could be one of those buy-low teams that make you some money down the stretch uh, as teams don't take them seriously. And I think that's why the Kings have actually had some success over the last couple weeks, winning seven of their last ten, because teams just go in there, and they just don't really take them seriously. And then all of a sudden, there's a little fight. So yep. I, I think the Eastern Conference is really start. – you're really starting to separate these teams. I, I really think it's four teams, and, and you know, Miami's kind of on the fence, I think, as the fourth team. It's really a top three. It's a big three in the East, and it's everybody else. And I would be shocked if it's not Boston, Toronto, or Milwaukee in the NBA Finals uh, this year representing the Eastern Conference.
1: It's, a, it's funny because Miami gets leads. They get out the leads. Yeah. They dominate for, for very long stretches of the game. They just can't hold the leads and that is um that is a that's a problem. problem. Uh, yeah it's very uncharacteristic of a Eric spolstra coast team and this Miami uh way. Now I know they listen they've added a whole bunch of new players so they're still trying to figure out some rotations and those types of things. Igadala has not been great. No. Um Either and it's Crowder. gonna take him yeah and either's Crowder. it's gonna take him a little while for them to be able to get it. Uh you know Tyra uh, Tyler Hero being hurt hasn't helped them nope. very much. Um, you know that second line coming off of, you know, coming off the bench, and and they have usually that's what creates the separation. How yeah. good that second line is, and it just has not come to fruition for them. Uh, just before the All Star break, the trades happen. All Star break, happens they come back, and all of a sudden now they can't hold on to leads. Uh, too that's much. That's scary, talent. Joe. That's scary yeah. because
0: if if you were just saying they were in a shooting slump, I would say, yeah, all right, you know, just you know, it, it'll pass. Yep. But to me, a defensive lapse like they had last night in the second half, that is a little more concerning. I think.
1: Yes, absolutely, and especially at Bam had a huge game last night. Um, he really is a stud. That you know, having Jimmy Butler on the court, having you got too much talent, you have too much experience um, for this to be able to go. Now every team goes through those ebbs and flows throughout the season, Miami, sure. we, we kind of knew Miami was playing above their head to start the year. Anyway, the regression was going to come a lot of teams. That happens in January, right? If, right after the holidays and that stretch, they oh, yeah. go through
0: the dog days it, of winter is what we call it. Right.
1: Them. They, it really is. It, it's not good. So we knew that eventually it was going to come back to the middle. They won a lot of very close games early on. They won a lot of games of the last possession. So, Miami had a lot of things going their way, and I think what you're seeing right now is, you know, it's funny in an 82-game season, everything kind of progresses right back to the middle, uh, and that's what we're having here. But at 36-22, and 22, listen, they're still a player in the East. They still have plenty of time to figure it out, and it's uh, it's too well of a uh, run organization, and Spolster's too good a coach not to be able to get these guys in a position to succeed. And you know when you look around the scores in some of these games here last night, I mean, you know, Sixers concern over there. All of a sudden now, Orlando doesn't. Orlando's dropping 130 points in a game on the road. I don't. I, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, you know, Atlanta again at home can't win. They score 120, but when Orlando is in a 250-point game and they score 130 and are winning, I. Yeah, yeah uh, maybe Orlando's figured something out. Uh here, I got to tell you because I don't know Fournier had 28, Gordon's got 25 and just like that now the Orlando Magic they look like them, you know, they look like they can actually cause people some problems right now.
0: Yeah, and you know, Orlando one of the slowest paced offenses in the yep. NBA. They're 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 not a team that's going to get up and down and and, and run at you. You know, Brooklyn lost last night, so they gained a half game on that. You obviously – the goal for these bottom three teams – and I think Indiana is probably the the solid six right now. I think once mm-hmm. you get past them, there's basically two spots that are available, and it's really for two teams, and they're basically neck and neck with each other, Indi- or Brooklyn and, and, and Orlando, and the goal with these two teams – the fight for that higher seed means you don't have to yep. play Milwaukee in the first round. So that that's a big that's a big fight. So they're playing for something because if you don't play Milwaukee in the first round, you've got a chance. And right. I, I don't think I don't think anyone's beaten Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs. I think there's a chance that maybe once Giannis is a little bit worn down towards the end of the postseason, a team like Boston or Toronto or maybe Miami or Philly, you know, God willing, if the Sixers ever figure things out, can reach up and and nip the bucks. But they are not losing in the first round of the playoffs. Milwaukee will be very Rested and ready for that. So, or, Orlando or Brooklyn, one of those teams is going to get led to slaughter, and Orlando's making a case for it not to be them. They're playing better yes. basketball maybe right now. Brooklyn, of course, without Kyrie Irving, but I think maybe long-term they're better without Irving. They didn't really show it last night. They had a decent comeback, couldn't get over the hump against the Wizards. Right. We did give out the live play uh, of Brooklyn plus 8.5 when they were down big in that first half because we knew Washington's defense would not hold that lead, and they didn't. They almost blew the game. What defense? Uh, yeah, exactly. So Orlando, to me, is an intriguing team. They're young. They're improving. Mark Fultz yeah. has been better this year. What can they bring? over the last two, three, you know, two, two months of the season to kind of propel themselves to that seven.
1: Yep. And I forget, this was a team that uh, came out in the playoffs last year, right? Takes down Toronto in the first game and everyone's like, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on here? So uh, they got some players in that team and I love the youth. I do like the direction that they're going and anybody that made fun of, uh, of the small ball routine for the Houston Rockets. I'm not sure anybody's laughing anymore. 140, 112. Memphis just the wheels continue to go yeah. just off the rails here and uh, not going well for Memphis. They lost again one forty to one twelve. Uh boy oh boy, Russell Westbrook drops thirty-three and they are just they're rolling here. They had a forty-six point lead at halftime, seventy-three to forty seven. Yeah, that's that's pretty what good. Houston does to people at home. Now, are you gonna get that on an every night basis? Probably not. But it is an intriguing situation now to keep this, keep the eye. They still have Harden, they still got Westbrook, and they are playing at a much faster pace than hell. Even and the Grizzlies do nothing but play up tempo. And you know what? They ran right by them. So this is an intriguing team to watch moving forward here, certainly out of the West. Where yes. does you how high does Houston go? Good question.
0: Uh, let's take a look at the standings right now. I, I feel like Houston's one of those teams, and you know James Harden uh, made. I think, 16 or, like, 17 shots last night, and they were all from yep. you know they were all from three or whatever it was. Westbrook made, like, 15 shots last night, and they were all from two. And what they've done now, Houston right now is the fourth seed in the West, and they yep. could get to the two. They're only two games back at Denver, and Denver's not blowing the world away right now. Houston right now has gone to this small lineup. They're having a ton of success. They're shooting a lot of threes. They're making threes, so keep in mind, it could go south when they get cold, and I don't think that's a sustainable playoff Uh, uh, you know, cycle that, you know, you can really bank on in the postseason to continue that kind of success. But Houston's doing it very well right now from the outside. And what I like what they've done, so they've gone to the small ball lineup, Joe, and to kind of break down the game within the game, what it's done, it's opened up the lane for Russell Mm -hmm. Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is now a slashing point guard who can kick out to Harden and Covington and Tucker for all these threes, and they're making the threes. It's a style that's working for them, and it's been very impressive to see Houston climb back up to the meat of the Western Conference.
1: That's 120 points or more in the four games since the All-Star break, but that includes the Knicks and Golden State. We'll talk more NBA coming up. Let's take a look at these top 25 matchups tonight in College who We'll do it next year on The Grid. All right, so we got ourselves uh, a big night here in college hoops uh, once again as some big top 25 matchups, including uh, number three, Gonzaga, taking on uh, San Diego, 14, Oregon, taking on Oregon State, number 19, Michigan, taking on Wisconsin, Colorado, number 21, taking on Cal, and Ohio State, taking on uh, Nebraska. Uh, You know, this Michigan-Wisconsin game, all of a sudden, there's a lot of people here. In love with Michigan and what they're doing and uh and how Howard has kind of brought this team along and they're not his players, but they're they're buying in. And, you know, hey, listen, with a with a conference that's got 10 teams in all likelihood moving to the, you know, moving to the dance here, uh, Michigan sometimes it's the team to get the hottest. And can they sustain that hotness moving forward? This is a big game tonight for the uh for the Michigan Wolverines, uh taking on a a Wisconsin team here who you want to talk about watching paint dry? My <laughs> word. Uh, that's woo, oh, uh, man. the first one to 50 wins in this game. But uh, none to it this this is a huge game for Michigan. Let's see if it was just a mirage or is this something they can't afford to lose this game at home. Uh, so let's see if they can take care of business tonight. You're looking at a six and a half point spread. Total 132, 132 and a half. It's a tough spot for Michigan. It really is, especially at that number.
0: Yeah, that's a number that I don't think I'm going to run to the window to bet the Wolverines. I do like Michigan to win this game. Uh, I I think their matchups favor Michigan in this game. I think Michigan and Wisconsin are mirror images of each other, but Michigan is a little more athletic, and that's why they win this game. I like the fact that they've got two seniors, Simpson and Teske, that are are really, you know, at this stage in the season, if you're a senior in your career, at this stage, you're basically like a seventh-year player. Especially considering Michigan has been through the ringer of a lot of NCAA tournament games over the last few seasons. Eat your heart out, John Beeline. I think this Michigan team—you could have literally had a national tournament, uh, a a national title contender, if you just decided to, you know, forego a little bit of of, of a paycheck and stick it out in Ann Arbor. Because this Michigan team's ready to roll. They're very balanced. They defend it well. Top 25 offense, top 25 defense uh, in, in, in adjusted efficiency. And again, we talk about it time in and time out. I will beat this point to death over the next three weeks as we get to the tournament. When you are looking to bet teams in March, don't worry about how many points they score. Look at how many points they give up. That is the, that is the benchmark. Yes, you don't want to bet on a team that has a terrible offense. You, you need to have balance. But if you're not going to be balanced and you're not going to be able to do both things well, at least defend well. That travels with you no matter where you play and Michigan's yep. one of those teams that does do that. They're at home tonight, but when they do travel to Indianapolis for the Big Ten Tournament, when they travel to wherever the uh, committee decides to send them for the first round of the NCAA Tournament, that defense will pack up and travel. They've beaten Gonzaga. They've beaten North Carolina. They've beaten Iowa State. Iowa State's not a tournament team, but they They have one. They, at the time when they played Iowa State, they had one of the best players in the country in Tyrese Halliburton. This is a Michigan team that had a great stretch to the start of the season. They fell off a little bit midseason. They lost four in a row. Now they've won five in a row. They've won seven of eight. They're getting hot at the right time. You talked about, Joe, getting hot. Auburn last year was a middling team until they got to the tournament, and then all of a sudden they didn't miss a three, and then they're in the Final Four. Like, that is what, and in a wide-open landscape this year, one of these teams is going to get hot between March 18th and March 30th, and you're going to see them in the Final Four, and you're going to be like, how did they get to the Final Four? And, well, they just got hot. And 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 yep. Michigan's a team that has the has the athletes. They have the the athleticism, and they have the pedigree. They have the
1: experience to make that run. Yep, five in a row now. Uh, Wisconsin is uh, just beat Rutgers. They're on a four-game winning streak. You have a Wisconsin team that's 10 and six in, in conference. And uh, Joe Lenardi's got him. Uh, he's got him somewhere around a number eight seed in it. While Michigan, uh, he's got listed somewhere as a number five seed. So the underdog in this promise, series. Joe.
0: They're going to get one yeah. seed
1: problems if they make it to the yeah, sweet 16. That's the truth there. <laughs> the um, it does look like the underdog has had a lot of success mm. between these two teams uh, over the last 20. I'm seeing 15 and five to the underdog against the number. So the underdog in tonight's game, of course, Wisconsin, that's a, that's a pretty juicy number there at six, six and a half. So it would be it would be hard to very. Pivotal, a a pivotal Big Ten matchup between two teams who are just kind of trying to jockey for position at this point and both of the resume both coming in one with a five game winning streak one with a four huge game in the Big Ten tonight for these two as is the Indiana Hoosiers and Purdue in the Big Ten and the Hoosiers I can tell you right now they've won three of their last four they're trying to make this stretch run here ever since mid January right through they are doing everything they can uh, they got wins over Minnesota and Penn State. Um, they've got four players who have actually led Indiana in scoring over the last four games. This is a team that's got some depth. This is a team that has really turned a corner since about mid-January, going to a place and and taking on a team that has completely fallen off a cliff. Now Mackey Arena, weird things happen. It's a strange ass play. It's a tough place to play. It's tough for Indiana, but Indiana right now, current form, you're looking at a team getting what, seven points here in this one yeah. in Mackey Arena? This is a tough gig, man. This would be tough not to back Indiana in this game. Yes, Mac Arena is weird, but the Boilermakers are 0-3-1 in their last four uh, four overall, 0-3-1 in their last four against opponents with winning records. The numbers don't get pretty. It's been a rough stretch per, uh, for Purdue, that's a lot of points. Seven is a lot of points in, in my book, man, for a team that has not really played well, even at home.
0: Yeah, Michigan just went in there the other day, and and, and I don't want to say laid a whooping, but they won by eight, which is, a, which mm-hmm. is an impressive scoreline uh, in yep. Mackey Arena. Penn State went in there and hit a ton of threes a couple weeks ago. That was a little fluky because we've seen Penn State come back to earth a little bit. Indiana's a good team. They won three out of their mm-hmm. last four. They had a good win over Penn State last Sunday. So they've had four days off. Then they go to Mackey. You know, Ken Palm's got this as a five-point loss, so yeah, no, seven's wow. nice. I'll take seven. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm... just the just the fact that they're actually projected to lose this game does hesitate me a little bit because we've seen the trend in the Big Ten where the home teams, can't, and, and I think the Michigan State-Iowa game is a perfect example of this last night, where, te- like, unlike on the road where games don't get away from the home team very often – a game right. can get away from you in Mackie if you don't defend and and if you don't, you know, if you turn the basketball over and you get that crowd going. Mackie's one of those weird spots. It's it's one of the few arc arenas. And if you look at like the, the way it's shaped, it's got like a very deep bowl in the back. Yep. So it's just it's a tough shooting backdrop. And that's why I was shocked when Penn State went in there and hit 14 threes. Uh, you know, that was just one of those things you can't explain. But Indiana's a team that can get hot. Archie Miller's done a good job. I like the fact they've got some seniors on their team as well. Devontae Green's the one that we really want to talk about. Right. So, you know, I, I think Indiana's probably the play tonight. But, man, oh, man, when you see these stinky lines, it's hard because the it – it, really it, it, It's hard for me to <laughs> run to the window and bet Indiana because, you know, yeah. everyone else is going to be betting them
1: tonight too. Yep. It's, good. it's a great point. But, again, follow the market, guys. Follow yes. the board and see where this line goes. And uh, certainly a percentage standpoint, how many bets are going one way or the other. And when you take a look out west here tonight, some interesting games for top 25 teams. We'll start with the number three team, the Zags here, uh, taking on San Diego. This this has got bloodbath written all over it. (laughs) And the line is telling you that here, guys. 26 and a half points is what we are looking at in this game tonight. Uh, Listen, Gonzaga is going to be looking for blood coming off a loss uh, against BYU. Um, Surprisingly enough, San Diego only lost to them by a point, uh, that being BYU. But uh, I will say this, St. Mary's is on deck uh, for the Zags here. So if uh, maybe a look ahead, I doubt it. I doubt it very much. But uh, I don't think the Zags are going to take uh, mercy on anybody at this point coming off of that loss. It is 26 and a half. I would look to the over uh, as yes, well, because they might very play. well score 95, hundred points themselves. They're that kind of pissed off. Give me a, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. 26 and a half is rough.
0: <sighs> the monster number, but you know, we talked about it uh, during the top of the show with these big teams in these monster numbers, Gonzaga. This is actually the one spot where I wouldn't mind laying because of the loss. You know, usually at this stage in the year, the top teams are not coming off of losses, the look-ahead spot, I, I, I think look-ahead spots in college are very overrated. Uh, these kids barely remember what they had for breakfast. They have no idea who they're playing next. They also whooped right. up on St. Mary's in their last game, so I don't think they're afraid... Of playing them at home, they went to Moraga and, and they—I think they beat them by thirty, or, or it was somewhere in that range. So uh, they have no, uh, you know. Oh my goodness, we're playing St. Mary's next. I don't think that's going to be a concern for this team. I think Mark Few is one of the best coaches in the country that we do not talk about on a daily basis, yep. and we need to. First of all, the guy hasn't aged in twenty years. I saw a picture of him from the 05 <laughs> tournament. Point. He literally yep. looks exactly the same. You're telling me yep. that he's a Division One college basketball coach that literally takes his tournament to the or takes his team to the tournament every year, and he hasn't aged? Like I age every day here right. in New York City. Getting on the subway, I look like I'm like. So I I, I don't you know you know God bless him. I don't know. I got to get a skincare routine. But Mark Few has a really really strong understanding of how to coach teams in March and coming off of a yeah. loss, I expect a very solid performance uh, from this Gonzaga team tonight. First half over seems like a nice play.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like a couple of a couple of things that we can count on and. Guys, I don't know in the – in the, can you hear that, or is it, am I the only one that has a an entire now the show in his earbud right now? I don't hear anything. Oh, I you don't hear you. anything. All right. So maybe it's just me. It's just I got, you. Uh, I got something else being played in my ear right now, but We're I trying will uh, power you. through. That's what we do. Um, let's go through uh, – I got a hand in your about... face,
0: Joe. It's like you're trying to get a yeah, shot exactly. off.
1: exactly. It's total hands in the yeah. face right now. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about this uh, Colorado game, too, as well, because Colorado – I'm looking forward to this. I don't know yeah. about uh, about you. California, I love Colorado. I love Colorado. Out of the uh, under the back 12, I think a very underrated team. They are trying to rebound from a bad home loss to UCLA. They welcome in a team that really can't score, that being uh, the Cal Bears here. First year, new head coach, new system. I think Cal will eventually figure it out. But uh, Colorado's on the road uh, this game. They're 4-4 four and four on the road. Uh, they still got a chance to take the league. I think it's yeah, fascinating. They one. do. The number is minus nine. We'll talk about this game uh, coming up here. Uh, we got Dan Strafford coming up. We'll get to the headlines. We'll get all squared away with that. But uh, much to get to here, NBA and college games tonight. We'll continue coming up. Hour number two here on the Grid SportsGrid.com.